0: So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 102. One of the truths that's taught in the Bible and shown in our own lives as well, if we're willing to look, is that if we don't deal with sin in our lives, if we try to ignore it, it doesn't go away, but actually grows. And we'll see this in the story uh, that we'll read today from 2 Samuel And we'll also hear it in the words from Romans 1. These sad stories but do teach us a sobering truth that unchecked sin grows. And so let's begin today with 2 Samuel 15. Some time later, Absalom managed to acquire a chariot and horses as well as 50 men to serve as his royal guard. Now Absalom used to get up early and stand beside the road that led to the city gate. Whenever anyone came by who had a complaint to bring to the king for arbitration, Absalom would call out to him saying, What city are you from? The person would answer, I, your servant, am from one of the tribes of Israel. Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are legitimate and appropriate, but there is no representative of the king who will listen to you. Absalom would then say, If only they would make me a judge in the land. Then everyone who had a judicial complaint could come to me, and I would make sure he receives a just settlement. When someone approached to bow before him, Absalom would extend his hand and embrace him and kiss him. Absalom acted this way toward everyone in Israel who came to the king for justice. In this way, Absalom won the loyalty of the citizens of Israel. After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go and repay my vow that I made to the Lord while I was in Hebron. For I made this vow when I was living in Geshur in Aram, saying, If the Lord really does allow me to return to Jerusalem, I will serve the Lord. The king replied to him, Go in peace. So Absalom got up and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies through all the tribes of Israel who said, When you hear the sound of the horn, you may assume that Absalom rules in Hebron. Now 200 men had gone with Absalom from Jerusalem. Since they were invited, they went naively and were unaware of what Absalom was planning. While he was offering sacrifices, Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilanite, David's advisor, to come from his city Gilon, The conspiracy was gaining momentum and the people were starting to side with Absalom. Then a messenger came to David and reported, The men of Israel are loyal to Absalom. So David said all this to his servants who were with him in Jerusalem. Come on, let's escape, otherwise no one will be delivered from Absalom. Go immediately, or else he will quickly overtake us and bring disaster on us and kill the city's residents with the sword. The king's servants replied to the king, We will do whatever our lord the king decides. So the king and all the members of the royal court set out on foot, though the king left behind ten concubines to attend to the palace. The king and all the people set out on foot, pausing at a spot some distance away. All his servants were leaving with him, along with all the Kirathites and the Pelathites and all the Gittites, some six hundred men who had come on foot from Gath. They were leaving with the king. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come with us? Go back and stay with the new king, for you are a foreigner and an exile from your own country. It seems as if you arrived just yesterday. Today, should I make you wander around by going with us? I go where I must go. But as for you, go back and take your men with you. May genuine loyal love protect you. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king is, whether it means death or life, there I will be as well. So David said to Ittai, Come along then. So Ittai the Gittite went along, accompanied by all his men and all the dependents who were with him. All the land was weeping loudly as the, all these people were leaving. As the king was crossing over the Kidron Valley, all the people were leaving on the road that leads to the desert. Zadok and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. When they positioned the Ark of God, Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's sight, he will bring me back and enable me to, bo- to see both it and his dwelling place again. However, if he should say, I do not take pleasure in you, then he will deal with me in a way that he considers appropriate. The king said to Zadok the priest, Are you a seer? Go back to the city in peace. Your son Ahimehaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan may go with you and Abiathar. Look, I will be waiting at the fords of the desert until word from you reaches me. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to Jerusalem and remained there. As David was going up the Mount of Olives, he was weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare. All the people who were with him also had their heads covered and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told, Ahithophel has sided with the conspirators who are with Absalom. So David prayed, Make the advice of Ahithophel foolish, O Lord. When David reached the summit where he used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, met him and with his, with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you leave with me, you'll be a burden to me. But you will be able to encounter the advice of Ahithophel if you go back to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king. Previously I was your father's servant, and now I will be your servant. Zadok and Abiathar the priests will be there with you. Everything you hear in the king's palace, you must tell Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Furthermore, their two sons are there with them, Zadok's son Ahimehaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. You must send them to me with any information you hear. So David's friend Hushai arrived in the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. When David had gone a short way beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was there to meet him. He had a couple of donkeys that were saddled, and on them were 200 loaves of bread, a 100 raisin cakes, a 100 baskets of summer fruit, and a container of wine. The king asked Ziba, Why do you bring these things? Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's family to ride on, the loaves of bread and the summer fruit are for the attendants to eat, and the wine is for those who get exhausted in the desert. The king asked, Where is your master's grandson? Ziba replied to the king, He remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give back to me my grandfather's kingdom. The king said to Ziba, Everything that was Mephibosheth's now belongs to you. Ziba replied, I bow before you. May I find favor in your sight, my lord, the king. Then King David reached Bahurim. There a man from Saul's extended family named Shimei, son of Gerar, came out yelling curses as he approached. He threw threw stones at David and all the king's servants, as well as the people and the soldiers who were at his right hand and on his left. As he yelled curses, Shimei said, leave, leave, you man of bloodshed, you wicked man. The Lord has punished you for all the spilled blood of the house of Saul in whose place you rule. Now the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. Disaster has overtaken you, for you are a man of bloodshed. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What do we have in common, you sons of Zariah? If he curses because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who can say to him, Why have you done this? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, My own son, my very own flesh and blood, is trying to take my life. So also this Benjaminite. Leave him alone so that he can curse, for the Lord has spoken to him. Perhaps the Lord will notice my affliction, and this day grant me good in place of his curse. So David and his men went on their way. But Shimei kept going along the side of the hill opposite him, yelling curses as he threw stones and dirt at them. The king and all the people who were with him arrived exhausted at their destination, Where David refreshed himself. Now, when Absalom and all the men of Israel arrived in Jerusalem, Ahithophel was with them. When David's friend Hushai the Archite came to Absalom, Hushai said to him, Long live the king! Long live the king! Absalom said to Hushai, Do you call this loyalty to your friend? Why didn't you go with your friend? Hushai replied to Absalom, No, I will be loyal to the one whom the Lord, these people, and all the men of Israel have chosen. Moreover, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? Just as I served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to to Ahithophel, Give us your advice. What should we do? Ahithophel replied to Absalom, saying, Sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to care for the palace. All Israel will hear that you have made yourself repulsive to your father. Then your followers will be motivated to support you. So they pitched the tent for Absalom on the roof, and and Absalom slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. In those days, Ahithophel's advice was considered as valuable as a prophetic revelation. Both David and Absalom highly regarded the advice of Ahithophel. Then Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me pick out some twelve thousand men. Then I will go and pursue David this very night. When I catch up with him, he will be exhausted and worn out. I will rout him, and the entire army that is with him will flee. I will kill only the king, and will bring the entire army back to you. In exchange for the life of the man you are seeking, you will get back everyone. The entire army will return unharmed. This seemed like a good idea to Absalom and to all the leaders of Israel. But Absalom said, Call for Hushai, the Archite, and let's hear what he has to say. So Hushai came to Absalom. Absalom said to him, Here is what Ahithophel has advised. Should we follow his advice? If not, what would you recommend? Hushai replied to Absalom, Ahithophel's advice is not sound this time. Hushai went on to say, You know your father and his men. They are soldiers and are as dangerous as a bear out in the wild that has been robbed of her cubs. Your father is an experienced soldier. He will not stay overnight with the army. At this very moment, he is hiding out in one of the caves or in some other similar place. If it should turn out that he attacks our troops first, whoever hears about it will say Absalom's army has been slaughtered. And if that happens, even the bravest soldier, one who is lion-hearted, will virtually melt away. For all Israel knows that your father is a warrior and that those who are with him are brave. My advice, therefore, is this. Let all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba in number like the sand by the sea, be mustered to you, and lead them personally into battle. We will come against him wherever he happens to be found. We will descend on him like the dew falls on the ground. Neither he nor any of the men who are with him will be spared alive, not one of them. If he regroups in a city, all Israel will take up ropes to that city and drag it to the valley, so that not a single pebble pebble will be left there. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai the Archite sounds better than the advice of Ahithophel. Now the Lord had decided to frustrate the sound advice of Ahithophel, so that the Lord could bring disaster on Absalom. Then Heshai reported to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, saying, "Here is what Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the leaders of Israel to do, and here is what I have advised. Now send word quickly to David and warn him. Don't spend the night at the fords of the wilderness tonight. Instead, be sure to cross over, or else the king and everyone who is with him may be overwhelmed." Now Jonathan and Ahimezas were staying in Enrogel. A female servant would go and inform them, and they would then go and inform King David. It was not advisable for them to be seen going to the city. But a young man saw one of them on one occasion and informed Absalom. So the two of them quickly departed and went to the house of a man in Bahurim. Bahurim. There was a well in his courtyard and they got down in it. His wife then took a covering and spread over the top of the well and scattered some grain over it. No one was aware of what she had done. When the servants of Absalom approached the woman at her home, she asked. they asked, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, They crossed over the stream. Absalom's men searched but did not find them, so they returned to Jerusalem. After the men had left, Ahimehaz and Jonathan climbed out of the well. Then they left and informed King David. They advised David, get up and cross the stream quickly, for Ahithophel has devised a plan to catch you. So David and all the people who were with him got up and crossed the Jordan Jordan River. By dawn, there was not one person left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and returned to his house in his hometown. After setting his household in order, he hanged himself, so he died and was buried in the grave of his father. Meanwhile, David had gone to Mahanaim, while Absalom and all the men of Israel had crossed the Jordan River. Absalom had made Amasa general in command of the army in place of Joab. Now Amasa was the son of an Israelite man named Jether, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash and sister of Zariah, Job's mother. The army of Israel and and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Jobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileelite from rog- Rogalum, brought bedding, basins, and potter utensils. They also brought food for David and all who were with him, including wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, curds, flocks, and cheese. For they said, the people are, in, are no doubt hungry, tired, and thirsty there in the desert." And there we'll have to leave the story to see what happens next. But in the meantime, we're going to continue actually by reading from Psalm chapter th- uh, Psalm 3 and Psalm 63, Psalms of David, that actually describe how he felt and what he went through during this time. We begin with Psalm 3. A Psalm of David, written when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how numerous are my enemies! Many attack me. Many say about me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield that protects me. You are my glory and the one who restores me. To the Lord I cried out and he answered me from his holy hill. I rested and slept. I awoke for the Lord protects me. I am not afraid of the multitude of people who attack me from all directions. Rise up, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Yes, you will strike all my enemies on the jaw. You will break the teeth of the wicked. The Lord delivers. You show favor to your people. And then we read also from Psalm 63, another psalm of David. A psalm of David written when he was in the Judean wilderness. O God, you are my God. I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Yes, in the sanctuary I have seen you and witnessed your power and splendor. Because experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. For this reason I will praise you while I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. As with choice meat you satisfy my soul, my mouth joyfully praises you wherever I remember you on my bed and think about you during the nighttime hours. For you are my deliverer. Under your wings I rejoice. My soul pursues you. Your right hand upholds me. Enemies seek to destroy my life, but they will descend into the depths of the earth. Each one will be handed over to the sword. Their corpses will be eaten by jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who takes oaths in his name will boast. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be shut up. So here we have David showing great confidence in God in the midst of despair, in the midst of the difficulties. Not that he's hiding his pain, but he's pouring it out to God in a way I think that is very instructive and helpful for us that in the midst of pain and sorrow, we can pour our hearts out honestly to God, but also in that keep trusting him as a God who can and will bring relief, will save in his time. And we conclude today now reading from Romans chapter 1, starting a new letter, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, uh, one of the great letters that Paul wrote explaining Christianity in many wonderful ways. Romans chapter 1. From Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, who was a descendant of David with reference to the flesh, who was appointed the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and our apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles on behalf of his name. You also are among them, called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those loved by God in Rome called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of His Son, is my witness that I continually remember you, and I always ask in my prayers, if perhaps now at last I may succeed in visiting you according to the will of God. For I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually comforted by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often intended to come to you and was present, pre- prevented until now, so that I may have some fruit even among you, just as I already have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus I am eager also to preach the gospel to you also in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness, because what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creation rather than the Creator, who is forever blessed. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged the natural sexual relations for unnatural ones, and likewise the men also abandoned the natural relations with women, and were inflamed in their passions for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what should not be done. They are filled with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, malice. They are rife with envy, murder, strife, deceit, hostility. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, contrivers of all sorts of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, covenant breakers, heartless, ruthless. Although they fully know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but also approve of those who practice them. So ends the first chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, a letter that reminds us that when you give in to sin and when it's unchecked, you are given over to it and you actually become increasingly a slave to it. And that shows up not only in Romans 1, but is what we saw in the stories about Absalom. Absalom. And if we're going to be honest about it, it's what can happen in our own lives, which is why we desperately need to turn to God, to repent, to believe, and have our sins forgiven so that that unchecked sin does not grow. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the NET Bible, http://netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.